couple of weeks ago, Phil um, made allusion to the fact that you might be expecting us to share the what do we think the Lord is saying to the church for the year message right at the beginning. That's something that we've got into the habit of doing. And actually, every single Sunday, as Lucy said at the beginning, we want to say, Lord, what are you saying? Every time a preacher preaches, the task that we give them is to say, um, Lord, what are you saying through this passage at this time to this people? And during the service, when it comes to um, offering words and pictures for prayer ministry, that's not just what do we think people might be feeling, oh, it's exam season, people are stressed. It's a, a moment of saying, Lord, what are you saying? Is there some word, some, uh, some sense that someone needs to hear that um, by us sharing it, someone can go, my gosh, the Lord knows about my situation, he sees me. The amount of times we get feedback like that of someone saying, how did you know? And we say, well, we didn't, but the Lord did. He told us, and he seems to like you and want to let you know. Um, it's just a gift. So the culture of listening out and saying, Lord, what are you saying, is, is hopefully running through the center of the church. In addition to that being a weekly thing, we wanted to, we sort of got into the habit of, and I like it, take stock at the beginning of each year and say, okay, so Lord, what do you, is there a particular focus? What do you want us to look at? What do you want us to hold more highly this year than we might otherwise? We sort of zoom out and um, I found these things really, like, well, really helpful, really interesting. Um, what it isn't, though, is claiming to know what's going to happen this year. I wanted to take a moment to kind of separate that out. This is a different thing to, okay, Lord, um, what's, what big events are going to rock the world in 2024? This isn't a, uh, a long list of um, Jim prophesies this, this, and this is going to happen. The Lord hasn't told me, just to be really clear about that. Instead, our question is, Lord, what do you want to say to us this year? What do you want us to know or to do? And even if I had been told, even if the Lord had said, Jim, look out for this in March, and Jim, look, this is going to happen, honestly, that wouldn't be as helpful as him telling us what to do and how to position ourselves. And so that's the question we asked. We sort of cut out the middle bit. I don't have any sensational headlines this morning to share in um, what do we think the Lord is saying to Kingdom Vineyard for 2024 in the prediction sense. Just a sense of this is where we want the, this is where that we sense the Lord wants us to position ourselves. So that rambling introduction, why don't I tell us a little bit about um, where we've been for the last few years just super quickly, um, in 2019, thank you, uh, and which is kind of where this kicked off, we were preaching through Acts chapter 3, and I shared that what I really felt the Lord saying to us that, was that he wanted to give us more of his kingdom coming in power, more of signs and wonders, more of the miraculous. That year, we saw an unusually high number of miraculous healings, even people being instantly healed during sermons. Do you know what's really annoying is when you think, oh, I'm going to pray for that person later. The Lord's going to use me to heal their back, say. And the person in the middle of someone preaching goes and beams at you and you think, I didn't get to pray for you, but, you know, the Lord healed him and that was great. We saw a wonderful amount of healings that year. And frankly, uh, I would like some more of that, Lord, but we seem to be in a different direction. Um, having said that at the beginning of the year, someone got healed dramatically that morning. And then the rest of 2019, we saw more of God moving in power. It was great. All giving him glory, jokes aside, it was lovely to see God at work and him being glorified. In 2020, uh, we looked at the parable of the 10 bridesmaids from Matthew 25, 
And the thing that we felt right to ask was, how is your own individually, how is your own love for Jesus and an opportunity to devote ourselves to him again? The emphasis for the year that I didn't understand when I shared it was that we wouldn't be able to rely on the faith of the church around us. I think I said something like, um, we, can't, we can't call ourselves someone else's plus one in a relationship with God. It's on us to have our own relationship with God uh, strong enough. You won't be able to rely on the faith of the person sat next to you. Of course, when the COVID lockdowns hit, that made an awful lot of sense. And it's a good illustration, actually. God didn't tell us COVID was coming. I had no idea. But what he did tell us was, position yourselves for the year in such a way that you take your own relationship with me really seriously. That's an important thing. So that's kind of what these talks are. Not, Lord, what will come, but what do you want to say to us? Anyway, 2021, um, the verse we had was, teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart to fear your name, which is Psalm 86, 11, which was a message about submitting our plans, our hopes and dreams, even our perspective on the world, submitting ourselves to God. And I think we're still living in that season. We don't have anything as, as dramatic as COVID to be able to say, aha, that, that looked like that. But I think actually that's, that's a place where he's calling the church, at least King Dominion and possibly wider, uh, to focus on. I don't think these, these focuses expire either. I don't think that there's a sort of a sense that you get to December and you throw last ones in the bin. I think they're sort of cumulative. I think they build on each other. God is still doing things specifically in this area that he'd highlighted to us three years ago. And of course, still doing stuff in all sorts of areas in people's lives as well. There are some of us who are still particularly living in the challenge of what it looks like to lay down all of our lives to the Lord and say, teach me your way. O Lord, help me to walk in your truth. Unite my torn and conflicted heart to fear your name. 2022, um, the, the sense we had was, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near and come, follow me, and I will make you into fishers of people. That was Jesus' gospel and Jesus' invitation. And again, that theme of re repentance, submitting to God first and foremost, uh, was there loud and clear. And with it, God's call for us to extend his radical welcome into the kingdom. Jesus was the most radically welcoming and inclusive person ever. He was also the most radically challenging to discipleship. And those two things are held in a beautiful tension. The Vineyard Movement tries to capture this by, by saying, come as you are, but don't stay as you are. It's the invitation to every one of us. And then 2023, last year, some of you might remember, uh, we had John 15, remain in me and love one another. And we sensed that was an invitation to kind of personal devotion, precious time with Jesus, that remain in me, abide in the vine, stay connected and rooted in, just like, like branches are into a vine. An invitation to make sure that our, our personal, quiet, precious time with Jesus was a priority and that our loving one another would flow out of that. That's where we've been. Um, maybe we can have them all together. Thank you so much. Just in case you're interested, I don't know, if anyone wants to take a photo, you're welcome to. This is sort of the, 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 where we have been and how are we doing for time? Actually, I just want to take a moment. Um, I'll get out of the way. Can I invite you? Take, take a couple of moments in silence. Have a wee look at that list. Is there anything in particular that you sense the Lord nudging you about just now? Anything that is not just you know, curious, oh, that's an interesting thing that Kingdom Vineyard had, had that thing from the Lord, but something for you. And I'm just going to give us 
maybe 10, 15 seconds for you to ask the Lord to speak to you about it. So I invite you to hold on to that and, um, and to, to take it back to the Lord again later on and say, is there something you're saying to me here? What, what are we actually doing here? Why, why bother? Why bother doing this exercise of asking the Lord for a, a particular thing? And I start this normally about November time. I spend um, all of November and December. And if I haven't heard anything from the Lord specifically on this by Christmas, I get really stressed. I'm saying, Lord, please. However, um, friends who don't know that I've asked, sometimes I'll ask people for a word or a picture um, that sometimes they don't know it's for the church. People who don't know each other give me um, faithfully pray and give me words and pictures and they, send, they all kind of agree with each other beautifully in a, wow, it must be Jesus way. Why though? Why go to the effort? To put it simply, Jesus is a better church leader than I am. Amen. <laughs> That's right. Emphatic agreement from our trustees. <laughs> so the reason we go through this, rather than just carrying on preaching through Luke, which would be an excellent thing to do, is that I want us to be listening out for his word for us, his specific leading, more than week by week. And I want to make sure that it's his direction that we're going in. That's the sort of church I'd like to be part of. And so, seeing as someone's given me the privilege of leading it, that's what we're doing. What about this year? Um, faithful friends have been listening out. Uh, I've been asking the Lord to speak. And both in things that I felt him saying to me and in it's just popping up absolutely everywhere from all sorts of independent directions. The verse that I've heard is John 1 verse 5. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Many of you might know that, word really, that verse really well. I love the beginning of John's gospel. It's from the majestic first few lines where... Uh, John gives us a wondrous glimpse into God himself, even before the creation of the universe. And John calls Jesus the word, the message God wants to give us, the truth about who God is, the love letter from God to you and I. And I love this about John. Mark's gospel begins with, okay, so this guy Jesus, he was kind of teaching and moving around and doing some stuff. Let's introduce Jesus doing his stuff. Matthew and Luke are like, okay, well, there's this couple. They weren't married, but God got involved, and there was a manger, and there were some wise men and shepherds, and, and that's how Jesus came to be. John, in the beginning. <laughs> that's a zoom out. <laughs> they on Google Maps heading backwards in the timeline until, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. That light, the light, shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it.
It's a pretty beautiful piece of, um, or piece of literature as well as scripture. So I'm going to spend the rest of my time this morning just zooming into different parts of that verse and um, breaking it into three and kind of unpacking a little bit what I think the Lord is saying to us through this verse for Kingdom Vineyard for 2024. So we'll look at the darkness, the light, and the overcoming. Darkness first. You just don't need to be prophetic to know that the world is not looking lovely at the moment. There is an awful lot to be concerned about that needs absolutely no supernatural knowledge. You just need to hear a news um, forecast. No. Broadcast. That's the bulletin. Yeah, I was thinking, yeah, weather's pretty... Anyway, so there's just a lot that's, that's grim in the world at the moment. In the natural, just hearing the news, there's so much that could make us feel... We have elections looming in lots of countries around the world this year, but with the state of social media and public discourse, that can actually be a really grim thing. The kind of rising tensions and and culture wars and talking, screaming past each other and completely failing to listen with love to one another, that actually doesn't promise to be a joyful experience. Not just culture wars, actual wars. Ukraine, Gaza, the attacks on shipping in the Red Sea, the military response, the growing tensions in other nations around the world. The Bible talks about wars and rumors of wars. Just look around, it's, it's looking increasingly dark. We've seen an awful lot of natural disasters. I fear we might see some more this year. We've legitimate growing concerns about climate, the ongoing cost of living crisis, means that more and more of us are living with an anxiety of Can I pay the bills? Can I put food on the tables? Speaking of anxiety, the growing mental health crisis is sobering. And the all-consuming experience of living with battling anxiety, depression, and and other things that hold people down can feel really dark. Looking at the church specifically for God's people, the heartbreak of leaders who we have trusted in I mean, even last year, the scandal of Mike Pilavacci being found to have abused his power and formed inappropriate relationships, controlling relationships, and others who have shone a signpost for Jesus and then fallen from inspirers to yet another one of those leaders. We have to sit and think, actually, how do I feel about everything that they taught? That's really discouraging. And as Western culture seems to be less and less tolerant of Christians and Christian perspectives, will it be harder to follow Jesus in 2024? I don't know, but I can see how it could be. All of which to say, without a supernatural knowledge of what's coming, there is a lot that seems like darkness. And though I haven't got any specific warnings of what's coming, like I said, this isn't that sort of talk. I do, though, I do, though, think that part of what the Lord is tipping us off to, if you like, through this verse, is that darkness isn't going to go away anytime soon. It may be even increase. I fear that we will see more fear in 2024. I think that, I think it's going to be a struggle within the church as well as outside of the church. And so I think what the Lord wants to say to this particular body is that there is a light there is a light that shines in the darkness. 
and the darkness has not overcome it. So let's look at that light with so much potential darkness around us. In the verse of John 1.5, the light is Jesus. And in particular, from verse 4, the light is Jesus' life. I wonder if we could have the next slide. Thank you, Mimi. Great. In him, that's in Jesus, was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. And the light shines in the darkness. The darkness has not overcome it. So it's, to be clear, all about Jesus. Just in case that needed said. The light is Jesus and from Jesus. Everything we're doing here, everything that we are, needs to be, if it isn't already, all about him. And this Jesus created everything. That's why John starts zoomed out, kind of pre-Big Bang, jump leads at the ready. This is why John starts with a zoom out to say, this one who came and made his dwelling amongst us, John 1.14, badly paraphrased, this one was the one through whom everything got made. Life just kind of flows out of him. Life bursts out of him. This one who walked around and did healings and taught wonderfully is the same one who brought life into being. And if you spend time with him, even us, even in a corner of Fife in 2024, that life still flows out of him. It was last year's focus and a couple before, but just sitting, spending time with him and just receiving. That's another vineyard catchphrase. You just receive. I want to just spend time from, with Jesus and say, Lord, I'd love to spend time with you and receiving your life. So to be connected to Jesus, to be in that relationship and receiving his life and his light, well, that's pretty good. I commend it to you. To be being restored within ourselves, to be being restored in our perspective, in how we see the world, even to see what is real and true. A bit later in John's Gospel, Jesus tells the crowd, you're going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. Whoever walks in the dark does not know where they're going. Believe in the light while you have the light so that you may become children of light. That time limit there is um, it's, it's not for us in as much as um, we don't have Jesus walking around and about to depart having given us his Holy Spirit, we have as much access to him right now as we possibly can. So um, invite him in, I suspect, is what we might say to us today. But this line, whoever walks in the dark does not know where they're going. Have you ever felt like that? I don't just mean in, you know, in physical, literal terms. I mean in terms of life and, and big decisions. And I just feel like I'm drowning in darkness and pressures and, oh, I don't even know which direction to take a step here. I felt like that many a time. And it's such a clear picture. Whoever walks in the dark does not know where they're going. When we put Zoe to bed after bath time and a bedtime story and a wee prayer that she's not interested in yet, but that's fine, we turn the light off and I tiptoe out of the room to go and start making dinner for Rachel and I while Rachel stays and tries to persuade Zoe to actually drift off to sleep. Um, but that flick off the light and leave doesn't usually give my eyes long enough to adapt 
to the suddenly darkened room. So whilst doting mother leans over the cot for a little while, lulling the wee princess towards slumberland, I am in the background making as subtle an exit as I can and clattering into things like a door that I forgot was closed along the way. And uh, <laughs> effectively every evening. I'm getting live heckles. I'm sorry, it's so disruptive, baby. <laughs> they understand so much, don't they? Whoever walks in the dark does not know where they're going. Amidst the whatever is coming of 2024, amidst the darkness of the world around us, the pressures of money worries, wars and rumors of wars, the fears of whatever fearful things might hit us this year, for anyone who's living under a bombardment of this stuff, I can imagine that person stumbling unsteadily from one anxiety and concern to the next from a news broadcast that is thoroughly depressing to a social media feed that's even worse, to an argument here, to an anxiety or a concern there. Just not sure how to respond to these things or even how to cope. I, I honestly think most, if not all of us, feel like that at least some of the time. So if just like flicking on a light bulb in a darkened room suddenly shows you both where to walk and where the dangerous collisions would be, then I reckon staying as close to Jesus as we possibly can, looking to him, doing what he tells us, not only shows us where is safe to walk, but puts those hidden dangers into perspective as well. I've heard so many stories of people with money worries looking to Jesus, choosing to trust him, even in the impossible, the seemingly impossible, and then receiving a peace from that trust that you know, in the natural doesn't seem to make sense, and then seeing amazing provision too. And I've not yet, I've not yet witnessed anyone dramatically healed from anxiety or depression. I'd love to. Lord, if you want to give us some of that this year, love to see people set free from those things. I did, my memory's pretty bad. Maybe I have. I don't think I've seen it. But even, even before I see a dramatic healing, from my friends, those who I know who have been struggling with these things, keeping our eyes on Jesus, well, it's, it's a lifeline in darkness that might otherwise be all-consuming. Whoever walks in the dark does not know where they're going, but Jesus said in John 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. It's, it's not just Christian niceties. It's not just the thing that we should believe. There's an offer from the individual who was there with the Father at the beginning of the world and helped make it for a personal relationship that is not just a nice, nice top-up to whatever our lives contain otherwise, but is a come, look at me, come receive my light, let me be strength for you in the darkness, let me be perspective for you in the darkness. Some of you have been Christians long enough, some of you have been Christians much longer than I, that you know this stuff. May I humbly suggest it's not about making that first decision to follow Jesus. It's about the day-to-day. -day. It's about the moment when the darkness creeps in, even though you know better. I think that's part of what he's nudging us back to this year. Have you ever spent time with Jesus? But have, have you spent time 
receiving his light. He's so lovely, so good, so gentle and loving, so holy, holy, pure and good, kind of in the dangerous sense of good. C.S. Lewis wrote of Aslan, safe? Of course he's not safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. If you haven't ever felt the presence of Jesus with you, um, I can't do it for you, but you can ask him yourself. He'd love to meet you. And if you have, and it's been a while, I think the invitation still stands. And if you have even this morning, do you know what? (laughs) Great. I suspect he has time for you this afternoon as well. And whenever I spend time with Jesus, I know that the stuff that's worrying me, the stuff that I'm my hopes and dreams that I just don't know if they're going to happen, or my fears that I hope aren't going to happen, those things just change in perspective. Like flicking a a light on and seeing that the long, looming shadow was just a small thing after all. Like the old hymn goes, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth, whether there are hopes, dreams, or our fears, the things of earth will grow strangely dim, in the light of his glory and grace. Just simply nothing compares. No counterfeit that this world has to offer, not even our most loving friend or family member, can do for us what Jesus can do. Only Jesus is like Jesus. Only Jesus' light is as bright as his, as real and reliable as his. And another confession, sometimes I forget to look at his face because I'm so busy looking at his hands. Sometimes I'm saying, Lord, I'd love you to do something here. I'd love you to move. Can, you, can you, you know, do the power thing? That'd be great. Maybe some healing for a friend or, Lord, let my baby sleep. Anything that I'm asking him to do for me, you know, where I'm, I'm looking to what he can do for me or give me more so than I am remembering who he is and spending time with him for the sake of, if you had a relationship or a friendship like that, that would, that would tank pretty quickly. So he's gracious enough that he hasn't kicked me out yet. There's more light in his face than there is in his hands. Powerful, earth-creating, universe-treating hands as they are. There's more light in his face. I saw a disaster movie. I can't remember which one it was now. It's probably the sort of thing that's in more of one, where there there was a couple, and um, everything was going awfully around them. Stuff was exploding. Things were going terribly. And one said to the other, just look at me. Just keep your eyes on my face and bang and it was a scream no 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 just look at me just keep looking at my face and that came back to me as I was praying over and preparing for this Sunday because I think that as well is you know, sometimes I forget to look at his face because I'm looking at his hands sometimes I forget to look at his face because I'm looking at the stuff going wrong and I think the invitation is just, just keep looking at me even if things went as bad as they could possibly be the difference between a nice person in a disaster movie saying, I'll stay with you, and looking to Jesus, is that when things are going wrong, Jesus can actually do something about it. And maybe that's delivering us from death. Maybe it's delivering us through death. Honestly, if it's going to go that badly, I want to stay as close to Jesus as possible. But if things do begin to feel dark this year, then I think what the Lord wants us to know is that the light shines in the darkness. It's a promise to be with us, faithfully, lovingly, powerfully, transformatively, 
which will not only change how things ex are experienced by us, how they feel for us in the middle of what might be difficult times, but things that our friends and family and those around us who don't know Jesus will notice too. As Jesus' peace is something that our hearts carry or is cocooned by, as, as we carry his, do you know what? I've got his light with me into situations around us, then I think those near us will experience it. There's something about being a, um, I think John Mark Comer called it a non-anxious presence. I can't do that in my own strength. I'm worried about far too much. But if Jesus' light is shining through me, perhaps even those around me might get to see him too. So part three of the verse, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesse and I were talking about the Greek, which is a lovely, if you've got an hour and can find Jesse duly, um, go and ask him about Greek, it's lovely, it's great fun. We were chatting about this word overcome in the original language here. It's really adversarial. We don't necessarily get the sense of how, how vicious this struggle is as we skim over this word. It's got the sense of, of conquer, to grasp hold of, even to ambush. There's real warfare going on here. The sense of both sides trying to dominate one another, like the darkness is trying to be so dark that it could snuff out a light, trying to overcome it and smother it. It's not just that the world is difficult, unstable, or unfriendly right now. We are living in a battle. There is an active enemy. And we live in the contested part where that enemy is still active, seeking to snuff out whatever of God's light he can find wherever he can find it. If we are walking with Jesus, we are carrying his kingdom with us and seeking to establish and build his kingdom in this part of creation, then actually those of us who are doing that find a target on us that the enemy wants to throw darkness at to discourage and defeat us, snuff out God's kingdom and try and reduce his presence. And it can be vicious. Did you know that Gladiators is back? It's a sign of the evil. No. Um, <laughs> as you know, it almost is, though. Have you seen those outfits? Lord, save us. That cheesy 90s TV show with more lycra the, and weird pose. I'm not going to. Some of these poses, good grief. Uh, Rachel and I watched it last week. Oh, Gladiators, let's watch this. Oh, Lord. Um, I am not convinced that I'm going to be a regular watcher of Gladiators. Um, although I do want to have a go at the game with the massive cotton wool buds on the, the podiums. That looks really fun. Um, also potentially vicious. This is not like gladiators. It is not that there is a red team and a blue team. We've got God on one side and the devil on the other side and who's going to win. It may feel like that sometimes while we're living in the battle. But it's not the case that we have two equal forces having a pop at each other. The darkness will not overcome the light. We're in a different league of competition here. The enemy's rebellion, kind of civil war, internal mudslinging is, is painful if you get caught up in it, but it's not the big picture. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness will not overcome it and has not overcome it. I read the end of the book. God's the creator, the stronger, better, purer, dangerously holy one. Darkness simply has no chance against him. And I think God wants us to know that as well. To be able to hold on to the promise of the perspective of, do you know what? The darkness has not overcome the light. 
and will not. So um, that's what I think the Lord wants to say to us this year. I like a to-do. I like a, okay, then what am I off to do with this? Where's my instruction that I can go and fulfill? And um, this isn't that sort of message either. It seems that what the Lord wants to say to this church for 2024 is not come here and do this, but more of a just know this, hold on to this truth. And to borrow from Caitlin's, I think, excellent reflection on Mary and Martha last week, this isn't a task to bustle about and get on with like Martha did. This isn't even something to get worried and upset about, getting worried and upset about making sure we don't get worried and upset, you know? This is an invitation to sit with Jesus, to keep our eyes on him, to make sure he is the core, the center, the foundation, the light in our dark rooms. And so if you like a challenge, um, here's an invitation for us. Where am I looking? What's my perspective? Do I seem to find myself looking more at the darkness than I do at the light? What does that look like day to day? I don't know. Do you check your news feed before you spend time with the Lord? How much time proportionately do we spend on um, things that concern us versus taking it to the Lord? I'm not saying that, that it's not right to want to put food on the table and pay our bills. But in terms of how much it consumes us, I want to make sure I'm taking that to the Lord and not just sitting in the dark on my own. So where am I looking? I don't think... If you think, oh no, it might be more at the darkness than the light, I don't think we're in trouble with the Lord for that. But I do think he would say, come, look at me. Share this light. Isn't that better? So, I don't know what the Lord has for the world or what the world is going to go through in 2024, as I've said, but the God who has begun a good work in us is faithful and will continue to complete it. And for this season, whilst he lovingly works in us, I would love for us to hold on to the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. If you're able to, can I invite you to stand? And we're going to pray for a little bit. <clears throat>